Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's an E3 special video game podcast. What's up? I'm Dick Mychinko. This just in. I'm Brian Bumpus. Hi Brian, how's it going? I'm I'm just going pretty good, Dick. How are you doing? Yeah. Good to be back. Yeah. It's been uh, been a couple of years, but uh, here we are. Fancy fancy Ben and Peter leaving in the wake of E3 of all time. It's a video game channel here, and they've just marched off. Absolute colossal willies, those two. Good job we're here. The whole place would fall apart. So in case you missed the uh, predictions contest that Ben and Peter were having over the course of E3, it did end in a tie, which meant that those two have been exiled, and it is the turn of us. Dick Manchinko and Brian Bumpis to rule the roost for the next calendar month. An entire month mm-hmm. of M- Manchinko and Bumpis. Yeah. Uh, the dream, the dream team. team. There they are. Yeah. So we will be present on all streams, on podcasts, on worst games ever. Basically, all content except for lists which are pre-recorded way in advance so that's uh, that's the excuse there yeah. uh, thank you so much for tuning in we hope you enjoyed e3 though what a flipping week we are still not done at the time of recording uh, and even at the time of release in terms of covering it we've got one more list to go out next week about the biggest announcements of this e3 but we've not we, but uh, Ben and Peter have been streaming live reactions and making all sorts of content on the channel and uh, we, by extension of them, would like to thank you for tuning in and watching all of it, if you did. Very grateful for that. Thank you all. Yeah. It's it's time, though, to uh, to get to business. If you feel mm. you're capable of stepping into Ben's big shoes... Um, no, that guy's a that guy's a clown. I already did it before. Yeah, I'm a vet. I'm a vet at this point. I'm literally a vet. Dick Manchinko served in some some armed conflicts. Something, That's yeah. me. Uh, yes, it is crimes. time. <laughs> no war crimes. We no. can't talk about war crimes. Now it's time to talk about the ad for this episode of the podcast, which of course we have an ad every single week. It's how we keep the lights on here. This week we are sponsored by Elden Fling. Oh. Which is a dating service for over seventies. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. yeah. Fancy a fling? Are you an Elden? Sign up. Yes and yes. It is pure filth, that website. Not safe for work. Don't go on it. 
Okay. It's um, it's practically pornography, so just stay away uh, and, unless you're into that. But, of course, don't do it at work because that's unprofessional. In which case, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you want to be unprofessional, you go for it. Yes, we are sponsored by Eldon Fling. You're going to sign up? Uh, how old or young now, do you have to be? Well, over 70, but yeah, over Brian, 70. you're getting up there in age, aren't you? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, I, I'll, uh, I'm interested. I'm, I'm, I'm old, free, and single. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be Sexy there. Sexy and free. Mm-hmm. Look out in for fact, me. In fact, Elden Fling sounds like one of, um, one of your relatives' business ventures. Do you think? Oh, you mean just the nature of the business? Yeah. Just the nature of the business. Yeah. 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 Just sign up if you're an old person looking for love. It does, Love. yeah. And then, then it goes hilariously wrong. However, you may have more luck with that service because this one isn't real. It's not oh, real, though. what? No, oh. it's not real, though. How am I going to find love? You're just not. I'm sorry. Oh, no. I'm just you not going to find love, ever. You just won't find love. Oh. Uh, but where you will find love, not in the in the love sense. In a hopeless we'll be, place. We'll be over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump where our wonderful patrons, they're the true sponsors of this podcast. You can uh, support us for $1 per month and get access to the podcast post that goes out weekly where you can submit questions. We only answer questions from patrons. So do consider going over there, patreon.com forward slash team triple jump. We have other tiers available too, but Peter, yes. no. But Brian, oh, yeah. this is going to take a minute. But Brian, where, this is the first thing we're recording, I think, with uh, ha- having taken over the channel. Having but just Brian, arrived, yeah, yeah. Where are we walking today in the video version of this podcast? Uh, how about across the temporary graves of Ben and Peter? They're not actually Ooh. dead, but it's their their jobs for one month are dead. Um, wow, yeah, that's incredible. Okay, yeah. That's where we're walking. When you say, when, where are we walking? The yeah. PNG, will is that going to still be of Ben and Peter, or is it going to be of us, is the question. Um, I think we have the technology to make it of us. Yeah. I think yeah. we can do that. Yeah, okay. that can happen. That's not a problem, I right. hope. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, okay. Before we get to the first question, it's time to hear a little bit about triplejump.gg. Oh, lovely. Hello everyone! As well as our extremely real and totally not fictitious in any way sponsor, we're officially partnered with PlayStation, Xbox and Nintendo to sell their codes through our own website, triplejump.gg. Here you can get everything from topping up your digital wallet to PlayStation Plus, Xbox Live Gold, Xbox Game Pass and Nintendo Switch Online subscriptions, as well as Minecraft Mine Coins. <laughs> mine Coins? They'll be your coins any minute. <laughs> nice one, Peter. Oh, thanks very much. It's 100% legitimate, directly supports us and provides you with the delightful digital currencies you're going to buy anyway. Visit triplejump.gg to browse our full stock. Triplejump.gg. This is a real sponsor. Wow, do you think that um that that joke about Minecoin is gonna get old after every single week for the next god knows how long? Do you think that's Um No. I no. think it will be funny in perpetuity and yeah. uh, I think it will really, 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 really upset at least two people, one of whom will just stop listening. Yeah. And the other person will go on a complete crazed rant on Twitter at us and just tell us how stupid uh, Ben and Peter are. It's not a good look. 
No. What? Us mocking mine coins or people defending mine coins? Well, both. I meant us mocking mine coins. But okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I think it's from our, our mocking is from a place of uh, ignorance and fear. We don't understand mine coins. It's upsetting to us because we can't sort of wrap our little peanut brains around. Also, that was recorded before we arrived. That's Ben and Peter on that. That's not us. That's not us. If it continues to go out once Ben and Peter return, that's, you know, that's well and truly on them. Send all your hate to them. (laughs) Hate those guys. Yeah. They're the source of all my problems. (laughs) Uh, Well, talking of guys that I hate... Here's Sputnik. Mm. No, I'm joking. Uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, this is the beloved patron Sputnik, who we love very much, uh, yes. who has submitted a question here. Uh, E3 is now done. Was it a 7 out of 10? That was our sort of average score we gave it as a prediction. Or, well, yeah. we didn't. Ben and Peter did. Oh, it's kind of really... Yeah, flipping uh, egg. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a teething problems. When uh, you say we, the, you mean the podcast in general? Yeah, I guess the, the pod we. we right? Yeah, the royal we gave it a, around a 7 out of 10 ahead of time as a prediction. Um, I don't know about you, Dick, but I was a a bit underwhelmed on balance by uh, what went down at E3 this year. I wasn't Mm -hmm. disappointed in the sense that I don't think it was a bad E3, but it really wasn't like a great one. It wasn't thoroughly exciting. There were like a few games that actively piqued my interest. And one of the things that got me most excited was relatively speaking a tiny tiny detail that no one most people haven't even heard about uh which is just the orcs must die 3 is finally coming to steam that was announced at e3 yeah that's the biggest news of the week yeah for me i'm, I'm really excited about that one but uh yeah in terms of the more mainstream uh presences uh you know it was it was fine there was enough there that i thought okay i'm i'm glad i sat and watched this thing but, um, you know, well, I, I imagine you feel the same way, right? I don't know. Yeah, ask me again if it's a 7 out of 10. Was it a 7 out of 10? No, it wasn't. Mm. It flipping wasn't. Uh, it was fine. It was a fine show. I think there were plenty, annou- plenty of games announced and shown off that lots of people will be very excited for. Everyone's a doll to their own proclivities. But yeah. for me personally, yeah, there was very little there. The The show felt... It felt really stretched, like it felt like a lot of publishers and developers and with um, sort of, uh, God, I'm so tired, with um, <laughs> with some exceptions, it yeah. felt like a lot of these conferences didn't need to be there. I'm now going to quote a line that I really enjoy that Luke Plunkett wrote oh, yeah. uh, in an article about how he thought E3 just wasn't worth it this year. And he was he was consuming it for the first time since 2006 as a consumer rather than covering it for Kotaku. Mm. And he was just saying how exhausting it was and how how it was just not worth his time. Like it just it wasn't worth keeping up with everything. He said, can you believe that in a year where almost nothing big and new was announced, the week of E3 consisted of 17 separate shows? <laughs> 17 shows. Get absolutely flipped, but not flipped, is what the article says. Um, I've I seen think other I saw places... his headline when I was looking for weird news. It was just like, yeah, it's okay. We could have skipped E3 this year or something it's like that. It's always quite inflammatory, his approach. But mm. I do appreciate it. But that will that will ruffle feathers. And it does. If you yeah. follow him on Twitter, he often tweets like people who've responded like, uh, you flipping idiot. There's so much Halo Infinite, you know? And of course, 
That's nothing against Halo Infinite. That's nothing against any any of the games that were shown this year. But no. if we're talking about E3 as an event, it just it really just it wasn't necessary, was it? It was exciting leading into it, as it is every year, to have all this stuff in one place. But yeah. coming out the other side of it, I don't feel any richer for it. I feel no. like a lot of this stuff could have had dedicated showcases at any time throughout the year. Well, any time. I- I wonder if that's part of the problem, though, is that because there are now a few sort of sporadic showcases throughout the year, you know, for example, Nintendo Directs uh, and Ubisoft Forwards happen every so often, things like that. Mm. Does it mean that there's now less news to to go around in terms of when E3 rolls around? They've already (laughs) blown a few loads, if you'll pardon the... (laughs) The, wow. the lack of a better phrase. A real there. Brianism there. Well, I'm also I'm feeling sleepy, so my brain is is really struggling to. <laughs> all you can. All, all I can, can think about is that blowing uh, loads. Yeah, yes. but you know they they have have spent some of their big reveals earlier on in in well in the past couple of years really because it's been a while since yeah. the last E3. Uh, so maybe there's a bit less to to kind of go around by the time E3 arrives. I don't know if that's part of the issue. Um, I guess also personally for us. Uh, it doesn't help that Sony no longer have a presence there. Um, mm. You know, I imagine big Nintendo boys and girls were quite pleased by uh, the Nintendo Direct, um, yeah. and Xbox fans may well have got more out of the Xbox show than we did. So perhaps if Sony had been there with a few bits of PlayStation news, that that might have improved E3 for us. But even then, like taking that completely out of the equation just looking at the other shows that i ought to have been excited by because i usually am or there's something for me there like ubisoft bethesda um you know even to an extent xbox and nintendo i like watching those all the same i just wasn't really that impressed overall um and as i'm sure we'll get to things like uh starfield for example that's like a game that's been anticipated for a long time and this was supposed to be the big reveal and then even at this stage after that game being in development for such a long time it was actually just a cg trailer and you know i am sort of looking forward to starfield in the sense that i want to check it out when it's finally available either in trailer form or it's actually been released but like that for example didn't do anything for me at all i was like okay we know it exists and is still happening. Great, but it didn't didn't get me going in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there a few a few issues I think uh, kind of behind the sort of apathy. Yeah, I'm I'm hesitant to dive too deeply into it because we've we've got a very specific question about yeah. what what's going on with E3 etc. In a minute, but on a base level, was E3 a seven out of ten? For me, no, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, and I think that's nothing to do with the games shown, honestly. If you, if even if you take platform preference out of the equation, yeah. You know, even if PlayStation were there and they're like, "Here's, um, here's every franchise we've ever made getting a sequel." There we go. That'll shut you all up, won't it? You can all be quiet now. Uh, it's. I still don't think it would have made the event any better. It's, and it's, it's difficult to separate the event from the showcases. The showcases are, you know, they're, they're tied. Um, directly to the the event itself. There wouldn't be an event without the showcases, but yeah. I still just think that... I, th- I think I saw a, someone said that it was like butter that was spread too too thinly. 
Mm. It, that's that's genuinely what it felt like. You know, we yeah. had a guy there for Overwatch Two showing us skins. It's like, what is this? Yeah, this does yeah. not. You do not need to dedicate time. It just it felt like a lot of scrambling. A lot of these conferences either didn't need to happen or could have been a lot shorter. And it's really nice to see smaller games getting the spotlight, but you know that they're only getting it because there aren't enough big games to to be shown off. And if that's the case, then maybe just don't be here. Maybe just do something more bespoke later on. Yeah. And I don't want it to sound like we're being real negative Nellies. You know, I, I'm, I'm worried that people will just think, oh, these stupid idiots, they just hate E3. It's like, we really don't. No. Like, I love E3. I was so excited for E3, but coming out the other side... No, I I don't I don't necessarily think that it was it was worthwhile this year. Yeah, yeah. Again, as you say, we'll we'll get into it a bit more with a, another question coming up. But I agree mm. about it being spread thin. You know, it's it would almost be nicer if there was just an E three show on. I mean, I do quite like having it over a few days because you've got more to look forward to. But imagine if there was just a single E three conference yeah. that happened every year. And everyone put their biggest projects in it. And it was just like two hours of the cream of the crop from every one of those 17 conferences or however however many there were. That would be, you know, something, I mean, that's probably too far over to the other extreme. But, you know, there's a balance to be had there. Rather than Mm -hmm. lots of little shows, uh, it would be nicer to have just a few more focused events with big, big announcements in all of them. But, uh, Brian, I think we're going to have to break with tradition here, which is fine because Ben and Peter aren't here. I think we're just going to pull question two forward and get to what we play in afterwards. Sure, because we're kind of on it already, it? aren't we? We're, yeah. we're doing it. We're talking about yeah, it. Yeah, why not? Harrison and uh, Michael Milan asked something very similar. With this year's E3 being pre-recorded, do you think that's the future of gaming conferences or will the format return to how it was? I thought it felt less genuine and human, but overall the conferences were tighter and polished. Uh, so continuing from what you were saying and now using that question as an excuse to talk a bit more deeply about E3 mm, and yeah. where it's going to go, um, that all the all the publishers bringing their A game, that's increasingly what Jeff Keighley's trying to do. Not only yeah, with exactly. the Game Awards, yeah, yeah. but Summer Game Fest. He famously walked away from E3 a couple, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple of years ago and at exactly the same time a few other people did, uh, just sort of saying... E3 is not changing with the times. It's not it's not what we need anymore. We don't we don't need to be there. I think tactically uh Jeff is very clever to position Summer Game Fest as sort of an unofficial E3 kickoff because he's not partnered with E3 at no. all. Yeah. In fact, he has some quite public beef with E3 in that he was excluded uh quite um publicly from being one of the I think he was one of the um like the official streaming partners like he was they were just not and then e3 had to come out and say no there there was no conscious decision here to which he quote tweeted with sort of like the side eye emoji and it's like okay right it seems that they don't really get on anymore and that's fine but i do i applaud jeff for what he's doing like i've i really admire him and his his goal of like getting all the big players together to show off some of their coolest stuff. Obviously, they don't all, you know, they don't go all out because sometimes they want to reserve it for their own announcements. And yeah, stuff. yeah. But that idea of getting everyone together, even if it was just, even going back like four or five years to E3s of old, where it's like, okay, uh, Xbox and Microsoft, you're up at say 11 a.m. Sony, you're up at 1 p.m. Nintendo, you're up at 3 p.m. Get it all done in one day. You know, just get yeah. all the big ones out of the 
the way in one day. But yeah, E3 itself this year, there were so many nothing conferences, so many that you just didn't need to pay attention to. And we keep referencing it. We made a fantastic video. James James Jenkins wrote it, and uh, he did a brilliant job talking about what the future of E3 could be, whether it was direct streams mm. or whether it was these yeah. live conferences. But what we got this year was an E3 that was direct streams, but it just happened to be in the layout of E3. And Harrison's right. It did feel a bit insincere you know we didn't we didn't get crowd reactions which i'm torn on because crowd reactions are sometimes the worst part of e3 but it felt and i know there's a pandemic there's so many factors to this yeah that make it really hard to decisively say one way or the other but for me personally i am torn because i love e3 and i've always loved e3 but as it's moved more and more in the direction of a consumer show rather than a trade show it's gotten arguably it's gotten more entertaining because it used to be far more about facts and figures yeah but at the same time i feel like it's lost a lot of its impact because it's created this culture not only in game development which encourages crunch because developers need to get something out in time for e3 but also publishers need to have something to show for e3 so often we see games way before they're ready or we Mm. see skins for a new game or we just we get two blokes on stage saying hi we've partnered with playstation to set up a new studio we've got (laughs) nothing to tell you i like there's just there is so much that is nice to hear but doing it purely for the fact that you need to have something at e3 is not it shouldn't be the reason why it should be shown when it's ready there are a few a few exceptions peter before i sorry i, I know i'm no no just waffling on no not peter no. flip uh, brian uh, brian i know i'm waffling no, on go on it's fine um but there, there are a few exceptions like guardians of the galaxy regardless of how excited you are for that game it was announced this year it they had they showed a load of gameplay they showed a trailer and it's coming before the end of the year that's yeah. how you do game announcements that's what e3 should be for but it is people are so desperate to get this spotlight that things are shown way before they're ready and that's it just it doesn't feel right and i'm i really don't know honestly what the future of e3 is but i'm not convinced that this year was remotely necessary we could have had another summer of of like conferences dotted around the place and that was frustrating last year because they snuck up on us and we weren't expecting it but having everyone fall over each other to to desperately show something off at e3 i I don't think it paid off this year yeah and you're right that it's because of the pandemic it's actually difficult to extrapolate exactly what direction e3 is really going because you have to think back to before covid was an issue there were already conversations going on about how, you know, is E3 starting to die? Um, are are people going to move towards pre-recorded uh, showcases now and do less stage presence stuff? That's That predates COVID. But of course, since coronavirus came along, there's also been a necessity to do pre-recorded stuff. And uh, so it, it's quite difficult to predict exactly where things are going to go once... Uh, restrictions are lifted globally. I certainly think that, you know, E3 will return in a a physical sense. There will be, of course, uh, a real show, quote-unquote. But whether the big publishers and developers decide that they are then going to return to stage-based presentations, that's a difficult one because it's a bit like how lots of people pre-COVID 
were thinking, oh, wouldn't it be nice to work from home? That'd be nice. I could probably do my job from home. I bet I could. Oh, but my, my boss will never go for it. Then their hands were forced. Everyone had to work from home. And, you know, it's been said for the past 12 to 18 months now that, oh, there's going to be a massive increase in people who are now going to be working remotely post-COVID, where it's no longer a necessity. It's that kind of thing where I think now that some of these publishers and developers have had a taste for what they can achieve with uh, pre-recorded stuff and maybe even pre-recorded stuff not played at E3, but at another time in the year, perhaps they've now realized, oh, well, that that went quite well. Uh, We could just just do that next time if you like so you know coronavirus has had a a whole different effect on on e3 to kind of add to the issues it was potentially already having in around sort of 2018 so it's it's difficult to know where things are going to go but i agree with harrison that it felt a little bit i don't want to say soulless it but it had less soul it had less uh less charm to it and i love having the crowd reactions uh you know you're right, uh, uh, Dick, that um, mm. it is a source sometimes of cringe. Uh, it's a source of just crowds being dicks, like just just not actually, if you're pardoned, I don't mean to use yeah, your name. On, don't such a derogatory take my sense name in there, vain but, like that. Uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes it, it's safer to have a pre-recorded video that everyone could just watch from the safety of their own home uh, rather than... A, a live thing with a live audience and tech issues and all those sorts of things. But in some ways, that's the thing I'll probably miss the most if <laughs> E3 turns into a just a series of pre-recorded uh, presentations. I really like just the sort of the weird, the weird things that happen. I like you know just dance, Ubisoft's dance. I like um, just people coming out in t-shirt blazer combos and trying to be yeah. cool and doing memes. And, uh, oh, you know, it'll be a shame to lose all that if things do indeed just move towards this trend of being pre-recorded videos. Um, Because with that, all you get, all all that carries over is the crappy response from the audience, but just in the YouTube chat, which is an absolute... Yeah. pit of despair if you i mean youtube chat is isn't great at the best of times but the e3 youtube live chats were absolutely horrendous um yeah so yeah and yeah, if I, all the if all the co- sorry carry on i was i was just going to conclude and just say yeah I'll, I'll miss i'll miss proper live shows if the, if this is the trend and we just eventually move towards all pre-recorded it'll be a real yeah. shame i will i will too honestly i i, I certainly will and that's why i'm so torn if all these conferences become pre-recorded, then the only thing that's unifying them under an E3 banner is just their placement over the course of a week in the year. Like there's yeah. no there's no reason these need to be at E3. And as I said, if if developers and publishers are busting their asses to make sure that they've got something to show just because it's E3, then do you really need to be there? Do you mm. really need to be there? I don't know that you do. Sony hasn't been there for two years now. It wasn't. It wasn't out last year. Obviously, yeah. well, last year didn't exist. Um, e three wise, but um, they dropped Horizon Zero Dawn, uh, not Forbidden West stuff, like a couple of weeks ago, and like their their engagement went off the charts. They it, yeah. they've they know they don't need to be at E three, and I know a lot of smaller. Um, games and publishers and developers get eyes on them just by virtue of being at e3 but equally there's so much there vying for attention you could very easily be drowned out 
so there's there's so many pros and cons. But yeah, if it's not a stage show, it's instantly not as interesting. And oh man, I just don't know. Like I really don't know. The the games. It's difficult not to come across as negative, and I'm sure people are very cross because their favorite game was announced this year or got a release date. Yeah, um, and I'm sure it's also very easy to just label us as as people did in our live reactions as well as Sony ponies, which is a fun fun way of just completely deflecting from genuine criticism. But okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's the games are brilliant. Some of the games shown this year looked fantastic. Hugely excited, not only for those games but for the people who are looking forward to those games. But when you talk about E3 as a show, is it necessary? I'm not convinced it is. I'm certainly not convinced it was this year. Uh, I just hope that it improves next year. If they do it next year, like I want it to be better. I want it to be how I remember it being. This just weird circus of yeah gaming pageantry. Like this, this wasn't that. And no. and it, and I'm sad that it's like I don't want it to fail. I I do think that this year was unnecessary, and I do think that while we're still coming out of this pandemic, it could have just been. A collection of events. I do think Jeff Keighley's vision for announcing games is perhaps the best way of of, of doing mm. it. If we were to adopt that model wholly as a pre-recorded thing, even though he was live to an extent, mm, um, yeah. obviously. But yeah, I'm just, I just, I want old E3 back, and this was yeah. not old E3. And if they're going to continue down this path, I'm not convinced that it will. It will stay viable. A lot of studios and developers and publishers learned last year that they did not need E3 to do their own live streams. And they started experimenting again. And perhaps this year will be the wake-up call that actually, why did we... Gearbox, for example, why did we do E3? Just just by virtue of having a presence there. No, we should have waited until September when we could have shown off gameplay for Wonderlands. There was no need to be there. Why did we do that? Um, We will see what the future holds. I sincerely hope it's a bright one, but this year, not convinced, personally. Yeah, And yeah. that's nothing to do with the games. Again, that's nothing to do with the games shown. No, uh, yeah, I'll just say again as well that Summer Game Fest is definitely, that's a, a step towards the right direction. Because the good thing about that is as well, you never quite know what you're going to get because it's, you know, it transcends all, uh, well, not all necessarily, but it transcends a lot of brands and publishers and franchises and IP. You don't know what's going to be there. So that's always a nice little treat and a little surprise um and yeah again it it was just spread too thin there were too many conferences that didn't have anything to show really or had one thing and then lots of little bitty bits um so it would almost be nicer if you know if if we imagine a world where sony hadn't decided to step away from e3 if there were only showcases from um sony nintendo and microsoft and just all of the big publishers like ubisoft and bethesda had to choose who they wanted to kind of buddy up with to show some of their games or you know they could do they could scatter them scatter them throughout it would give you a reason to watch all three you know console conferences and uh you know you'd maybe see all your bethesda stuff alongside xbox maybe ubisoft stuff scattered around square enix stuff scattered a little bit um you know i think you know, it, it just needs concentrating a bit more. That's not going to happen. But Summer Game Fest is probably the closest thing we're going to get to that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I really hope Jeff continues to execute on his vision. But uh, there mm. we are. That's that discussion. Again, like, I I hate... Uh, sorry. Ben hates. And because I've absorbed all of his emotions and memories, uh, I hate 
uh, coming across as too negative or like a, a real mm. Debbie Downer, you know, a real party yeah. pooper. But I just, I just wasn't convinced this year, and I, I know that I'm not alone. A lot of other outlets have said, "What was that? Did we need that? Yeah, was that was that really the return to form we wanted?" Um, but for the rest of this podcast, we're going to be talking about the games. We're going to be talking about what you were excited for from E3, what we were excited for from E3 this year. But we got the, we got the chat out of the way about whether e3 is worth it so mm-hmm. thank you hopefully you 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 found the discussion enlightening and you weren't just really irritated yeah um so we're going to take a step backwards in the schedule now because of our yeah. wild question one question two back to back uh we're going to talk about the games that we have barely had time for this week Ooh. oh it's called what we play in it's what we play in time. Time to talk about the games, what we've been playing. Brian, what have you been playing? Uh, I, Given that Peter has gone away for a while, and not just from this job, but from his actual house, uh, I've been continuing his, uh, his hard mode run on um, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. Uh, I'm not as good as he is, though, so I'm kind of struggling with it. Um, <laughs> but that, that game, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, but it's kind of by design a bit of a, not a grind, but it, I mean, it's a hack and slash game. So you are just going up against waves and waves of enemies and it's difficult on, on the hardest setting. So uh, alongside that, I was thinking, okay, well, there are a couple of games that I was looking forward to playing uh, when E3 was done. Um, I wanted to start uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition and uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart However, I wasn't sure which one to play. It was like, mm, on balance, maybe I'll go for Ratchet because rather than commit to an entire trilogy. But then I was like, well, actually, I've always said, for the, well, for the past couple of years, I've wanted to try the uh, the PS4 Ratchet and Clank, the you know mm-hmm. the sort of movie tie-in one. And so I thought, well, you know, it's it's part of the the bundle that you get with PlayStation Now. Um, I don't mean PlayStation Now. I mean PlayStation at the present time. Um, so I thought, I'm going to quickly run through that before I start playing Rift Apart. So that's what I've been playing for for the most part this week. I've been on oh. um, Ratchet and Clank 2017, was it? I 16. Think? 16. 16. Yeah. Came uh, out just after the movie or just before. Right, like yeah. And what I'm really think? enjoying it. Yeah, it's really good. It looks great. It looks really good. Uh, and I've actually laughed out loud a couple of times. I think it's genuinely oh quite funny you know some of the cutscenes. i guess they're ripped straight from the movie right i've not looked into it too much i but... think some of them are yeah. yeah some of them are taken from the movie but uh you know it's quite um tropey or kind of it sort of parodies certain sci-fi tropes or kind of takes the mick out of out of certain things and uh yeah i'm honestly really enjoying it and it's familiar enough like i, I can see where it ties in with the original version of the game um, but obviously they kind of, I think they called it a reimagining, didn't they, of the first game rather than either a remake or a reboot or whatever. So, uh, it's, yeah, there's, it, it's familiar, but, uh, it's, it feels fresh. And I'm think I keep thinking to myself, if I'm enjoying this game that was built for a PS4 in 2016, I know that I'm gonna really, really enjoy Rift Apart 
um, mm-hmm. just purely from a technical standpoint, if nothing else, because this is already feeling, you know, as I say, it, it looks very pretty, it plays well, it sounds good. So uh, it, it can only go up from here, and I'm already enjoying it a lot. So, yeah, that's been uh, most of my my game time this week outside of E3 evenings. That's great. Uh, I'm really glad to hear that you're enjoying it. I think it's had a patch as well to make it look and play even nicer on oh, has it? Well, so Yeah. yeah. It's go. a pretty game anyway, but uh, there we are. Yeah. Uh, so what have you been playing, Dick? Well, I've been playing Ratchet and Clank a, a Rift Apart. There or just go. Rift Apart, sorry. Uh, mm. And it is delightful. I'm having a lovely time with it. And I say having, I mean, I have I had a lovely time with it because I finished it and I got the Platinum Trophy last night. Wonderful. And it's it's been widely stated that it's on the shorter side when compared to other Ratchet and Clank games. But, like, I thought it was it was the perfect duration I thought the collectibles weren't too uh, sort of intimidating in terms of the amount of them and the uh, difficulty of finding them. I felt like it was the perfect package, so to speak, uh, in terms of respecting my time, but also providing a, a great experience and really enjoying it. And this is the second game in a row after Miles Morales that they've made that's on the sort of shorter side, not too imposing, really achievable uh, collectibles, that yeah, kind of true, stuff. and. True. Given that Insomniac have just been firing on all cylinders recently, and you know they've released two PS5 games and a PS4 game as well with Miles, um, in in quick succession, perhaps there is this is intentional and there's sustainability to this model of a sort of less is more approach. You know, mm. making games that aren't thirty hours, making games that are sort of eight to twelve hour experiences with more if you want to do the collectibles, but there aren't too many collectibles. Like I'm I'm all for this. If they can get if they can prevent burnout of their staff and also make games like this more regularly, then that just that sounds like a win win. I don't always want a game that's that's, you know, I'll be excited for Spider Man 2, of course, and I would imagine that's probably the same sort of duration uh, to the first Spider Man game. Mm. But Equally, I'd be more than happy if Spider-Man 2 was a shorter experience, if it meant that they could get Spider-Man 3 out faster, if it meant that they could get a new Ratchet & Clank out faster, if they could get a new Sunset Overdrive or Resistance game faster. All for it. Um, I'm I'm really... I was so happy with this game. It was was just really lovely. It's not, you know, going to blow your mind from a story perspective, but it, it is a beautiful game, like absolutely gorgeous and really fun to play and, uh, yeah, I had a great time. A really, really lovely time with it. Mm. Um, apart from that, I very quickly, very quickly, I very slowly reinstalled Final Fantasy VII Remake on PS4 so that I could go to the main menu and select Upload Save Data to PS5 Version because that's fun. And then I installed it on PS5, got the free PS5 upgrade to the Integrade Version, mm. downloaded my save, and I popped all the trophies for the Platinum because I already got it on PS4. And I do intend to play through uh, the PS5 version again and also the new DLC, but that's not on the agenda immediately. I just wanted to see if the trophies worked properly, and they did. So, hooray, I suppose. A well-earned platinum trophy there. Fantastic. Uh, The last thing I played is the Stranger of Paradise demo, the Final Fantasy Origins game that was announced at E3. got a PS5 demo. This seems to be splitting the crowd a little bit. A lot of people thinking 
uh, it shows promise. A lot of people thinking it's the best game ever and a lot of people just mercilessly mocking it and thinking it looks like a sort of PS2, PS3 era game. Mm. I am sorry to report that I fall not in the mocking category, but somewhere in between that and the it shows promise category. I didn't like it at all. I wasn't a fan. Um, it's from the same devs as Neo, I believe. So yeah. it's sort of Final Fantasy, Souls-like combat. And for some people, that's a match made in heaven. But I was just so put off by it. I really didn't like it. And I I would like to give it another go because it was after, a, I think, a really long day of E3 coverage. Mm-hmm. And it was possibly the worst imaginable time to start learning controls and combat systems for a demo. Uh, so I... I'd like to think I'll give it another go and maybe come away from it a bit more positively, but certainly I my first impression was not good. I, I did not like it. I mean, the, the trailer was a bit much for me. It was just very... We talked about how the... Again, we're stepping into the negative Nelson shoes here, <laughs> but uh, the characters yeah. were almost stock characters, cookie cutters. Even the, the big villain... I said at the time, I think, or Peter said, that it looked like Nightmare from Soul Calibur... Because it looked not just like Nightmare from Soul Calibur, but like a whole load of villains from similar games where they're just big man in armor who speaks in a scary voice or whatever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, even just from an actual sort of art direction point of view, I wasn't I wasn't that impressed. But um, it's not really for me anyway. I've never played a Final Fantasy game, so it's not really fair for me to comment. But purely as a trailer, you know, even if it had a different title and it wasn't part of that franchise i would have looked at that and thought "Mm, yeah mm, a bit weird team ninja have a habit of taking player feedback on board and this happened with neo and neo 2 i believe the sort of public demos or betas or whatever you want to call them um people there's a survey at the end of this that you're asked to fill out all right and uh so there's a very good chance that this will change quite considerably between now and release and i really hope that it that it's the obviously the best possible game i would never root for a game to fail ever and i think that's a lot of um a lot of the issue with criticizing things on the internet is that i think a lot of people immediately assume that you just you're a hater and you just want it to fail but for me personally i didn't really like it at all mm. and uh i again i sincerely hope that it uh it evolves into something that as many people can love as possible. Maybe even me. Oh, well, it's due next year, so they've got time. Yeah, they do have time, for sure. Um, but uh, we will see how that one goes. But that is everything that I've been playing. Uh, Brian, it is time for a strange section. That's it. We're, ju- we're jumping straight from section to section now. Yeah. It's called... Uh, hang on. Where's yeah. my... Oh, someone tidied up in here. Hang on. You'd think Sound. I, of all people, would would have some... Hang on, got got it right here. Yeah, you got it. It's time for Weird News. Weird News. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's weird news time. Time for some weird gaming news. Brian, what have you got? Uh, this just in, according to Kotaku.com, it's written by Zach Zvizen, mm-hmm. um, who says, Ancient 90s code from Quake still controls lights in Half-Life Alex." Okay. Oh. Right? Okay. So here we go. Reddit user Crazy Giaki noticed something interesting about the flickering lights in Half-Life Alex. When compared next to flickering lights in the original Half-Life game, the two seem to sync up. Um, and there's that. I'll shoot. You, send you the link right now, actually, for this because uh, okay. there's a GIF on there of some side by sides of lights flickering in games of of various. Uh, well, the past past few years, past couple of decades. Oh really. yeah, look at that! Same they, tempo. They flicker in exactly the same, exactly the same way. Uh, so, when compared next to flickering lights in the original Half-Life game, the two seemed to sync up. It seemed like Valve was still using the same bit of code to control these lights twenty-two years later, and that's exactly what's going on. Modern video games are often built on top of old code and data because games are hard to make, and sometimes, if it ain't broke, they don't fix it. So it's not yeah. surprising that Valve is still... Well, yeah, it's a, kind of surprising, but anyway, it's not super surprising that Valve is still using code from 1998's Half-Life to control the flickering lights in 2020's Half-Life Alex. What's actually surprising, though, is just how old this code is. Another Reddit user, Laser Maniac, provided a detailed explanation of what's going on with these flickering lights, explaining that lighting in Valve games hasn't changed much over the last two decades. This is a quote now. From what I can see, the effect is handled by assigning a string of letters that indicates the sequence of brightness changes, with A being fully dark and Z being fully bright. Uh, the fluorescent flicker effect is defined by the string M M A M A M M M M A M M A M A M A A A M A M M M A with M being the default brightness setting without any changes and A being pitch black. So as it goes between those letters it flickers in and out. You can get the idea. So someone just coded these lights twenty odd years ago, longer now. And they're like, right, that code's perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. And they're still using it. But the the point of the article is that it's not just, doesn't just go back to Half-Life. What's wild, it says, is this flickering pattern can be found not only in Valve titles, but in Quake. 
That's because Half-Life was built off a heavily modded version of the original Quake engine. So it's very likely that that long random string of M's and A's that controls lights, or controls when a light should flicker, was written over 20 years ago by John Carmack himself. And because Valve's original Half-Life 1 engine, Gold Source, and later Source, contained bits of old Quake code, still, uh, these flickering lights sync up perfectly. Kind of blows my mind to think that a single string of letters defined lighting effects in my favourite games for almost 25 years now, said Laser Maniac on Reddit. And I have to agree with them, says the writer. It's a strange little thing that I never noticed before, but now I'll be staring at the flickering lights whenever I play games like Portal 2 or Half-Life, wondering how many more games they'll be around to greet me in. Aww. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? How it weird. Is. Yeah. So that's just how complicated games are to make. Sometimes you get legacy code, like light flickers. Sometimes you get legacy code, like NPCs in Bethesda RPGs phasing through walls. Still doing it. They're still, still doing it, just doing like the it. old days. Yeah. I'm so excited to see gameplay for Starfield, not only to get an idea of how that game looks, but just I want to see what the Creation Engine 2 really is like what is it though is it just the same but shinier are we like are they gonna go through the walls but in 4k now yeah (laughs) i'm really intrigued have they now got like over two thousand lines of dialogue each but it's still yes be seeing you (laughs) that was the best bit in oblivion is they sometimes end a conversation with cough.mp3 that was a big a big uh, highlight for me uh, we'll wait, get I to Starfield at the next question. Sorry, what were you saying? I was just going to say, wait, wait, I can do that again. Yeah, yeah. That's another good one. Another yeah, flub that was kept brilliant. in. Yes, we will get to Starfield very shortly. My weird news comes courtesy of PC Gamer and Wes Fenlon. Facebook to start testing ads in Oculus games. Oh boy, great. The first in-game ads will start appearing on the Oculus Quest 2 in the coming weeks. Facebook is planning to begin sticking ads in Oculus Quest games and apps within a few weeks using data pulled from users' Facebook profiles. Facebook detailed its plans in a blog post saying that in-headset ads are a key part of ensuring we're creating a self-sustaining platform, as if Facebook needed to make more money Mm. and, you know, not just sell games. This inevitable step comes less than a year after Facebook began forcing new Oculus headset owners to use a Facebook account. And, of course, the ads will be able to pull on information from your Facebook profile, a a spokesperson confirmed to The Verge. That personalised data includes a lot of what you're doing on the Oculus, like what apps you've viewed and installed, and even what other ads you've clicked on. It won't include more sensitive material like your private conversations or any weight, height, or gender information that you choose to provide to Oculus Move, it says. That's We'll see if it just breaks that promise. Yeah. Presumably, any age or gender information on your Facebook profile is fair game for targeted advertising, mm-hmm. though. Developers will be able to... Oh, it's auto-playing videos with sound. Developers will be able to earn money from in-game ads with Facebook keeping a portion of the revenue. According to The Verge, Facebook says it hasn't decided whether ads will eventually make their way to the Oculus Home Hub, which seems like they're once... Hang on. Which seems likely once their ad tech becomes more advanced. This test is for flat ads that would look at home on any website, but Facebook says it's also exploring new ad formats that are unique to VR. Brilliant. 
I mean, in a way, that's even more boring that they're just going to be regular flat ads. Like, if if nothing else, it would be a novelty to have a 3D ad thrust in your face. I'd be like, oh, okay. I mean, I'd get yeah. sick of it after about a day, I'm sure. But at least that first time, I'd be like, oh, wow, 3D <laughs> oh, VR ad. Okay. Oh, cool. That, that's trying to sell me uh, something that I talked to my mother about yeah, on Facebook. Yeah. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. The first ads will appear in a game called Blaston or Blast Blaston, with more apps to follow. Bizarrely, the Oculus blog demonstrating these early in-app ads showed that you'll have the option to click on an ad and save the link for later. Something I definitely find myself wanting to do with advertisements all the time. There will be a drop-down menu to report individual ads or hide them, but Facebook doesn't mention an option to disable ads altogether. You know that they will offer that. You know yeah. that they will mm-hmm. as like a premium service after you've spent. God knows how much on an Oculus Quest 2. <laughs> and you've had to sign set. up to Facebook. Yeah. And you have to have a PC rig that can... Yeah, I mean, that's just... For God's sake, right? Mm. It's ridiculous. Really? Yeah, that's Come awful. On. It should be a platform to sell and play games. That's That should be it. They're, that's your money-making opportunity. Mm. Yeah, that's like going into Sainsbury's and Sainsbury's saying... Hey, in order to uh, keep a a sustainable business model in our shop, what we're also going to do while you're going around buying our products is say, hey, buy burgers. I mean, I guess they do that a tiny bit, but not to the extent that's maybe a bad example. But it's like your trolley having a pop up. Yeah, that's what it's like. It's not like just a label being on the shelf saying, hey, this is good. I'm trying to give you money. I've already given you money. What do you want? Yeah. Madness. Please watch this 30-second ad before you can uh, return your trolley or before you can start <laughs> using your trolley. Like, Please watch this 30-second 30, 30 ad before you can remove your Oculus headset oh, and it just sort God. of locks under it your chin. Clamp. You just hear it click, click, click. Honestly, honestly, if, if Mark Zuckerberg could do it, mm. he would. If he was allowed, he would absolutely do it. Dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. So I'm really sorry to Oculus Quest users for that. Believe me, uh, if I didn't have to be on Facebook, I would I would get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And I would have gotten rid of it a long time ago. Absolute cancerous website. Horrible. Yeah. Feel free to add Dick Machinko on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash Dick Machinko. It's not real. It's no, not it's actually not. that. Can you imagine? That would be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, okay, moving on. We've got question three, three which is you, Brian. Yes, it is. It's from Ian Rogers. Thank you, Ian Rogers, for your question. Hi, boys. Hope you're doing well. Uh, as PlayStation... Cons- uh, <laughs> will we ever will we ever wake up again after E3? I, I, it may I, never happen. Hi, boys. Hope you're doing well. As PlayStation console fans, did the Xbox conference do enough to convince you that you need to pick up an Xbox either this year or next year? I decided to stick with PlayStation for this console generation, but if Starfield ends up being a hit, then getting an Xbox will be inevitable for me. Thank you, Ian. Mm, uh, I've got a few a few sort of points to hit for this question. Um, okay. The first is something I've already said before, which is I, I think it's a mercy that Xbox bought Bethesda and not Nintendo or PlayStation bought Bethesda because even if you don't have the console in question, it's also going to be available on PC. Whereas, you know, if Sony or Nintendo had somehow purchased Bethesda with money that they don't have, or that yeah. not, not as much as uh, Microsoft... Uh, All exclusive. Then it would just be console exclusive. So I, I'm okay in that I'll be able to play on PC if I want to. I might do that. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, which I touched on a bit earlier in the podcast, was that... Starfield as a concept interests me because I like 
Elder Scrolls and to a lesser extent Fallout RPGs, but you know it's all they're all good. Um, and presumably Starfield is going to be that similar kind of model. Uh, so so in that sense, it does interest me. However, the reveal at E3 didn't really tickle my fancy that much because it wasn't gameplay and you know I already knew this game existed and vaguely what it was going to be about or what it was going to be like so a little sort of taster like that hasn't changed my opinion on it at all however all that aside uh, if it wasn't available on PC and uh, if they'd shown off some gameplay uh, yeah, it may well have made me think I will get an Xbox, but to be honest, I'm already thinking that. I've been thinking that for about six months, um, which, well, I guess that takes us back to pretty much when it was uh, revealed or, or not long after that. But yeah, I've been thinking thinking since the, particularly given that they've got two models, you know, and the Series S is affordable. I've never been too hung up on um, frame rates and like 4K and stuff. Uh, you don't I don't have a 4K got, TV yet, right? I don't have a 4K TV. We are actually buying a new TV soon, and it Ooh, may well nice. be 4K. That's exciting. But, uh, but even then, I've, it doesn't really bother me that much, um, especially as it would be a sort of, you know, a, a side console. It, I'd still be maining, as they say, on PlayStation. Um, mm. So uh, I, I guess the only other downside is, for some reason, it's got less storage space, um, despite the fact that, it's a digital-only console, which is kind of a bit frustrating. However, um, you know, I probably only need one or two games installed at any one time on any given console. So for me, even ignoring Starfield, I am tempted to get a Series S at some point because Game Pass is such a uh, such a good deal. So in answer to the question... Uh, in some ways, no, the the Xbox conference didn't do enough to convince me that I need to get an Xbox because I'd kind of already decided that I would do. Uh, but if I hadn't decided that already, Starfield, for example, the way it was presented didn't didn't really uh, didn't really pull me in because there wasn't much there revealed, and it's also going to be available on PC. So mm. um, yeah, Game Pass really is is the thing that convinces me, and that wasn't. Um, I guess I guess E three just showed that even more stuff is coming to Game Pass. So in that sense, yeah, sure, I suppose it did. Yeah, the Xbox and Bethesda conference was was largely look how amazing Game Pass is yeah. and will continue to be. And yeah, like I'm I'm a PlayStation fan. I've always been, if you want, Team PlayStation. Like mm. that, it's like support for me. It's like supporting a sports team. Like I like to see PlayStation do well. I know they're a corporation who couldn't give a flying flip about me as a person. Mm. Yeah. But like I've I've always enjoyed their games and I like the ecosystem and I've been there for a long time. And that's not going to change. Uh, they will always hold a special place in my in my heart, and I will I will keep buying their exclusives because I believe in their quality and I'd I'd like to, you know, continue to play the franchises that I've played and started playing over the years. Uh, but yeah, much like you, Peter, we've we've long said, and on this podcast as well, that the Series S is a very tempting, uh, tempting console to get. Not necessarily the X, but certainly the S um, from a financial perspective. And when Xbox, when Microsoft, sorry, bought Bethesda, that was a game changer. And we're still not completely sure what is going to be exclusive and what isn't. We do know a couple of things that are definitely going to be exclusive now. Starfield and is it Redfall, I believe. Yeah. Um, but we're still, you know, we're still not 100% on some other things like the Elder Scrolls 6 and stuff. I still hold out hope 
that those games will be multi-platform because I do think that it somewhat flies in the face of what they said when the purchase was made about this is not about taking games away from people, mm. which is what they've done, especially with The Outer Worlds 2, which I'm a bit sore about. And I know that The, 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 the Outer Worlds 2 was not part of the Bethesda acquisition, so that's a separate thing. Um, however, The Outer Worlds 1 was one of my games of the year in 2019. And yeah, I'm a little annoyed that I that I potentially have to buy a new console to play the sequel. But I enjoy the Outer Worlds two and uh, the Outer Worlds one enough that I would buy uh, another console to play it. And if if Game Pass continues to be uh, as lucrative and as um, sort of the the best deal in gaming as it as it is currently, then that only sweetens the pot. I very yeah. briefly was subscribed to Game Pass Ultimate just so I could play Ark with James Jenkins on that joint stream like a, a couple of months ago or whatever, whenever it was. Um, and in my brief time being subscribed, because I'm not a PC gamer and it, would have, it wouldn't have like behooved me to stay subscribed. It would have been a waste of money. I wouldn't have played any games on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was so impressed with what I saw. It is a truly fantastic platform and xbox stepping its game up like this even if it is just we have trillions of dollars so we're going to buy this thing even if it is just sort of that element them stepping their game up like this and stepping to sony who are undeniably the market leader you know the ps5 is just running rings around the xbox series Mm -hmm. at the moment but it's not always going to be like that if xbox keep going the way they're going and that is going to have to force sony's hand to step their game up as well it's going to be better for everyone again i'm not thrilled about the fact that i potentially have to buy a new console just from a financial perspective as much as anything else not a fanboy perspective which is a stupid term but from a financial perspective the fact that i potentially have to buy a new console to play the next game in a series i've already played elsewhere it stings like it, it, it is annoying but I am tempted to do it, and I think not right now, but when these games start releasing at a rapid-fire rate, which they are going to do uh, from Xbox, then it may be the time to hop in, and I will do so gladly. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I would still, if um, Elder Scrolls, for example, is available on console on, on PlayStation, I would still rather play it sitting on a couch with a controller in my hand rather than at my desk. Um, I've always been more comfortable, like literally physically, not just emotionally. Uh, <laughs> I've been more physically comfortable playing games on a sofa with the TV. So if that's an option, that will be what I'm going for. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm still just, I think it's a mercy that, uh, you know, almost everything that uh, Bethesda release on an Xbox ex- exclusively within the console market will probably also be available on PC, so I won't ever have to buy um, a, a an Xbox Series S if I don't if I decide I don't want to. But that Game Pass, man, it, it's it's very good, isn't it? It's very te- the value for money as well. Like they yeah. they could charge way more for that, and I would still be tempted. So and the back catalogue alone as well, the backwards compatibility, and you know, um, I've played Halo on steam on uh, various live streams over the past year or two but uh again to sit down on a sofa with a controller in hand and play some halo multiplayer that's that would take me right back to oh god knows when i don't know but you know <laughs> yeah that's something that i'm looking forward to doing one day yeah so the answer yeah. to that question for me is not now but very possibly soon mm. yeah same. when these games starts coming out but uh yeah. 
There we are. Uh, Brian, it's time to move on Mm -hmm. to something rather large. Are you ready? I'm ready. It's the big discussion. The big discussion. Big discussion time. This time the big discussion comes from Hannah Cutts, who says... Courts. Obvious question is obvious. Which game announcements... I didn't put that in. She put that. Which game announcements were you personally the most excited for? And were there any games slash franchises you were hoping would get reveals but ended up not? So we put out a poll and a, a post on our Patreon where our listeners and our Patreon supporters, of course, could submit their favourite game of the show and also vote in a poll as to who put on the best conference at E3 2021. We will get to those in a second. But before we do, Peter... No, Brian. Brian. Before we do, Brian... Yeah. Was there a game announcement that you were sort of hoping for that you didn't get? Um, I don't know if there were any announcements. Well, yeah, I suppose I... I didn't think this was going to happen, but I was sort of hoping there would either be a Spyro or Crash game announced somewhere, probably at Summer Game Fest. That's typically where the Crash games have been uh, either revealed initially or they've had subsequent trailers and stuff. And there's been bits of like rumors this year that Spyro 4 might be on the way or that there's a maybe some other kind of Crash spin-off possibly happening um but you know there's also all that stuff going on with vicarious and call of duty and uh uh, toys for bob and oh yeah it's all it's a bit of a mess and uh, the rumor mill has been um well it's been a bit chaotic so i was hoping for something like that but it, it didn't happen um but in terms of not reveals necessarily it would have been nice to have updates on hogwarts legacy um on uh, maybe the the Star Wars uh, Lego Star Wars, which got delayed as well. That would have been nice, and of course the the obligatory elephant in the room, Beyond Good and Evil Two, would have been nice to see something about that. But uh, I yeah. don't know if I necessarily expected it. Um, but uh, were there, was there anything that you were hoping would be revealed, announced, updated? Yeah, I suppose this was quite difficult to think about, really, because there wasn't. I don't know that there was anything in even anything announced currently that I'm that I'm desperate to see more of necessarily. Right. Yeah. Perhaps some more Gotham Knights, perhaps some more uh, Suicide Squad versus the Justice League would have been oh, yeah. interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, a bit more from Warner Brothers, especially. I know you would have liked to have seen the Harry Potter game as well, but they mm. were. It was just um, back for blood from them this yeah. year, really. Yeah. The one that I've written down though is I would have been interested to see potentially Quantic Dreams' new game because it's oh, been yeah. a couple of years now since. Mm. Um, since Detroit, you've got to imagine that they're they're hard at work on their next title. I know that that studio, especially its leadership, is embroiled in some hot water currently. And yeah, yeah, uh, sort of the public face, David Quage, isn't exactly smelling like roses. And I don't know what the situation is in that he could, you know, maybe he could be ousted from his position. At which point, a Davidless. Quantic Dreams. What does what does that look like? How does that work? I but I they would might have to take on Tommy Wiseau or something. <laughs> yes, someone equally bonkers, um, but hopefully less awful. Mm. And uh, uh, but I would be I, I, as a fan of their games. I would I would have loved to have seen something new from them. They're no longer partnered with uh, PlayStation in an exclusive capacity. So yeah. I think their next title is sort of free to go wherever it wants. So it could have been here, but uh, never mind. Maybe at some point soon. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah. In terms uh, of who won E3, yeah, Brian, would you like to know what the uh, what the listeners voted? I'd love to know what the listeners voted. So, in fact, why don't you guess who won? Uh, are we talking game or um, conference? We're talking conference. Conference. I think probably just based purely. Well, actually, no. I think listener votes. I've. I don't agree with this necessarily, but I've seen quite a lot of rhetoric and discussion online that Nintendo as a conference won E3. Um, okay. It's not not necessarily what I would vote. Um, just on a personal level, I would say um, that it was just all about Guardians for me. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I'm going to say that they said Nintendo. It was not Nintendo. It was Xbox and Bethesda Showcase with okay. 37%. Then it was Nintendo Direct with 30%. Mm. Then Summer Game Fest with 14%. Square Enix with 8 And I can't tell if it's a joke or not, but Bandai Namco, Bandai Namco with 3%. Um, they right. also tied with Ubisoft Devolver. Um for, for for that position, but yeah, Bandai Namco was that was terrible. Yeah, it wasn't even it wasn't yeah. even a conference in the end. I don't think. Yeah, it was Man, just I... uh, shed off um, Dark Pictures Anthology for like ten minutes. I'm surprised though that uh, that it wouldn't be Nintendo um, at the top. Yeah. Some people seemed really that they were thoroughly impressed by that. Online. Yeah, well, I think Nintendo had a really strong showing, and and I imagine Nintendo fans were very impressed. But mm. if you're outside of Nintendo's ecosystem there's a good chance that there was practically nothing there for you, whereas Xbox and Bethesda showed far more third-party titles. I'm surprised, honestly, that um, Summer Game Fest didn't do better. I thought there was quite a lot yeah, there. But, yeah, yeah, uh, true, true. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, like I say, uh, Nintendo wasn't for me, but uh, yeah, I thought maybe uh, it's got it. They've always had a big following, them, their Nintendos. So, them, their, those darned Nintendos. Haven't they? Yeah. Doing what they're doing. So let's run down, Peter. The listener voted. It should be top five, but there were a few tied positions. So mm. it's technically the top four with a few occupying the same spaces. And I believe among them are our you know, personal favorite games. So we'll just get to those as we go through. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so tied uh, at number four, I guess we'll go through them each. But uh, we'll just say for now that tied is Stalker 2, Outer Worlds 2, and Far Cry Six, mm. so uh, I mean, would you? Are you excited for Stalker Two? Because I know you're a Metro fan, and it, they're certainly cut from the same cloth. Um, it looks yeah. certainly more intense as a game, a bit more, a bit more serious, despite the setting. But um, is it something for you? Do you think? I am tempted to give it a go. I think it's the kind of game where I would probably wait for reviews and coverage to come out before I hop straight into it, because I did. I played Metro Exodus, the most mm. recent Metro game, and I really didn't like it. But then lots of other people loved it, and I'm so I'm I'm wondering if maybe it's just maybe I don't like that that sort of setting as much as I thought I did. Although it was purely from a gameplay and story perspective that I didn't like Metro Exodus as much right. as um, as Last Light. But uh, Stalker Two looks fantastic. Yeah, it looks it really good, and uh, I believe it's coming to platforms that i can play it on so mm. hopefully hopefully it'll be really good i'm hmm, honestly not sure i think um i think i'll wait i'll wait to, to hear more about it before i dive in mm. yeah i'm the same i i really i don't play a lot of fps at all anymore hardly i mean hardly anything i can't really think the last time i did play a uh, an fps i played you know a little bit of um 
Battlefront, well, I'll say a little bit. I played Battlefront 2, but that was more just because it's a Star Wars game um, and you can play that third person. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, actually, all of these tied at the bottom, I'm probably not in, not super likely to play um, because of the, uh, the, the shooty, shooty nature of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, Outer Worlds 2, I know that was a disappointment for you because of the... Uh, the exclusivity, but um, uh, what's your plan there? Do you think? Yeah, that's going to be the reason to get an Xbox, or are you going to try and force your way onto a computer <laughs> that might run it? No, I'm absolutely like I I object to playing games on PC. Yeah, completely. I find like you, I'm just not comfortable with it. Like, mm. uh, but emotionally, um, <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. I just find PC gaming to be too complex for my monkey brain and mm-hmm. uh i just for me playing games is sat on a sofa uh with yeah. a controller that is Why that not? is how i want to play my games so no i i won't get a pc for it you know i've got my work pc obviously but presumably by the time that releases this work pc will be back at work so i won't have it at home true um yeah outer worlds 2 yeah a bit bit sad i can't play it on playstation um you know, especially if there's some sort of imagine if there's like a carrying over your save element that would really sting. Mm. But um, I I love the first one. Really looking forward to this next one. And even though we know literally nothing about it apart from the fact that it had a great CG trailer, yeah, I am I am very intrigued to see more from um, Obsidian's weird space world that they've crafted. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Far Cry 6 was the next one. We saw that several times at E3, didn't we? We did. With uh, three, I think. Three, three times? times, I think, uh, what, uh, in the end. What do you make of, of Far Cry 6 after after seeing so much, it from so many angles, I should say? It's still, it's very Far Cry still, isn't it? Like, you know, you can see a Far Cry, you made the point that it looked good. The gameplay that we saw looked very pretty, but it didn't have any HUD on. And, you know, if you try and imagine a bit of HUD over the top of it, it's like, oh, yeah, here we are, back in Far Cry. Um, there's a lot to be said for the way that Far Cry write their villains. And clearly, this time, you know, it's no exception. Uh, and then on top of that, you've got the the DLC with the, the, the villain, the playable villain stuff as well. I can't remember what that was actually called. Um, yeah, but, I know, uh, yeah, I know what you mean, though. Yeah, so... I mean, there's a lot to go at with that, and uh, maybe by that time, I will have a bit of an opening on on my PS5 library, and that might be the sort of game that will pull me in, because I do appreciate what Far Cry does as a series, mm. and I tend to look at each Far Cry on its own merits, like in terms of the setting, and, uh, you know, sort of the way that it's advertised. I don't have a an overarching view of whether I do or don't play Far Cry games. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, it's one that I'm going to continue to watch. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more gameplay, I think, because mm-hmm. at the moment we've only seen that little snippet, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is this an instant yes for you? Are you going to give it a go or are you no, still it's, deciding? No, it's not. It's, no. it's, it's certainly not. It's, it'll undoubtedly be of high quality mm. and uh, the story will be great Gian- Giancarlo Esposito I'm certain will be a very compelling villain yeah but purely because I have I have yet to see anything that assuades my concerns that it is more Far Cry and I am 
also very tired of Far Cry and because yeah. they they're just they're kind of the same and that's fine if you want that. I don't necessarily want that. I've got sort of series fatigue with that one. But like I said on the live reactions or the what happened at whichever one it was uh, from Ubisoft, this may well be you know if it if it is really good. This may well be my time to to hop back in as I did with Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I've had a few years away from the franchise. I got I fell off it after four because that was just so similar to three for me yeah. gameplay wise. I was like I'm just doing the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, it's one to watch for me. One to that's watch. why I'm open minded about it because I have had that rest from Far Cry, and so it, maybe it is a time for me to hop back in. It's definitely it's still going to be an Ubi world, isn't it? It's just going to mm. be you know you can imagine the number of map markers and stuff. So I don't question that it's going to be another Far Cry game. But you're right, like in exactly the same way with uh, you know Valhalla, having had a rest, I'm willing to not commit now to to giving this one a go but to keep an eye on it and not just immediately write it off as oh it's another far cry i'm sick of those because yeah i've had enough of a rest that i could feasibly give this one a try Mm -hmm. it's interesting to note as well that they recently i think in the past year we talked about it on the podcast ubisoft supposedly replaced their for want of a better term taste makers at Mm -hmm. ubisoft which is part of the reason why so many of these games were so similar or at least that's what was alluded to in the press, is right. that they had this sort of team that that went around all their studios and made sure that all of their games were kind of uniform. And apparently they got rid of these guys and they brought in new people. So I'm hoping that soon we're going to start to see some genuinely innovative and new takes mm. on these existing franchises. Not like, let's make Far Cry 6 a MOBA or anything like that. No, I just mean yeah. shaking up the formula a bit rather than just adding a couple of new features or... You know, we're really into bows and arrows this year, or whatever. I'm, I'm really hoping for something, something really fundamentally quite different, and hopefully that will continue to. I imagine Far Cry Six has been in development for quite some time, uh, but hopefully with future iterations of these series, we'll see some real change in here. That's that's my hope anyway. Bit of divergence would be nice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In third place, Brian. We mm. have Metroid. Let me try and say that without falling over myself. Metroid Dread. Yeah. Um, what did you think of Metroid Dread? It looks nice. I I like the fact that you know some of these genres or uh, I don't know if genres is the right word, but play styles I suppose have been carried forward from literally a couple of decades ago at this point, and. Yeah, it's still your classic Metroid or Metroidvania style where you're jumping around in a side-scrolling world, which I'm sure requires exploration and backtracking and so on. But, you know, at this point, we're looking at uh, effectively a 3D presentation, even though you're still side-scrolling. It's, uh, you know, it it looks the same as it always has, but in um, an updated way. And I Mm -hmm. think, you know, hats off... uh, to Metroid as a series for being able to just stick at it for this long and still have clearly such a dedicated fan base. I've not yeah. uh, played a Metroid game in a long time. So again, this is probably not one that I'm going to rush out and snap up. But yeah, it's just nice to see a game of old, um, or a, a, I should say a series of old, to still be uh, doing well, thriving today, moisturized, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, looking uh, kind of fresh, but uh, familiar. Yeah, 
Yeah, it is nice. I'm, I'm really happy for fans of Metroid. I know they've been starving for new Metroid stuff for a long time. And uh, Metroid didn't have the best showing on Wii U, and I'm not entirely certain that there's been anything on Switch since then, uh, apart from the much-promised Metroid Prime 4, which was then sort of, they restarted development after that wasn't going too well, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. So this is coming, it is happening, it harkens back to the original sort of Metroid design. It's, uh, it's, It's exciting, it's exciting, and I'm really happy for people that they get to play this. Not for me, though. No, no. Something that might well be for you in terms of Mm. familiar design is number two, or one of the two number twos, Elden Ring. It finally got shown off properly in a kind of gameplay in-engine sense. It did, and it looks like open-world Dark Souls, and Mm -hmm. that is, is quite frankly, that's enough for me. It's it's confirmed now that it will have online multiplayer as well, co-op and so on which was something I think that was sorely missing for me personally from Sekiro, which is why I couldn't really get into it uh, because I sort of, I find those, especially going through them for the first time, I find them far more engaging to experience with another person who's never played it either. And you're both sort of creeping through trying to work out what's, what's lurking around the corner. Um, I, I'm, I'm wondering whether or not I should sort of just do a media blackout on this game. Right, like, yeah. Do, I'm not sure I really want to know anything else. I, I feel like I know the the subtitle and or the subtext even of this of this game, and that's, that's sort of it. Open World Dark Souls, that's sort of all I need to know. Mm. And anything more than that feels like, feels unnecessary. And if they're able to stick to this release date of the beginning of next year, it's going to be here before we know it, and I'm very excited to play Elden Ring. Yeah, I mean, these games are always going to split the crowd to a certain extent for people who aren't into the Soulsborne uh, formula and that that kind of difficulty level. Um, But say what you like about that aspect of it. Um, I still think that just the the design of these, the visual design of these games, the presentation, the art direction, the bosses, the monsters uh, are just an absolute spectacle to behold every single time i thoroughly enjoy checking out these games just you know on on youtube and just images online and stuff uh, even if i'm not so into playing them because of the the punishing difficulty mm-hmm. um but uh yeah i i always have to just applaud the horrific entities that are created every <laughs> single time so uh that alone for me was um a bit of a spectacle something to enjoy uh, from the trailer so i'm looking forward to seeing more of this game whether or not i ever get my hands on it i don't know um but uh yeah looks good looks great yep miyazaki is increasingly just up there as one of those as one of those developers where it's mm-hmm. like I, I need to pay attention to what they are doing your ken levines your kojimas yeah you know, just sort of oh they're working on this okay now i'm interested now this mm-hmm. is one to pay they've just got such a strong track record that you want to yeah. You want to pay attention to any game they're involved in. So we'll see how it turns out next year very soon. Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, the other joint second place, though, was, drumroll please, Breath of the Wild 2, as Ooh. we'll call it for now. Um, yes. I'm sure it's awaiting a subtitle, but uh, it, it was shown off properly, um, and it sort of... It, I think it looks quite familiar in some ways. Like I was quite, 
I was almost surprised by how similar to the first one it looked in terms of design and so on. Um, you know, of course, it being a kind of direct sequel, that makes sense. But equally, I guess I'm so used to Zelda games being quite different from one to the next. So I was like, oh, this really, really is, you know, just like the last one, only with probably higher visual fidelity. Um, but, you know, why why change? Why fix it if it ain't broke is not how the phrase goes. But if it ain't broke, <laughs> don't fix it. Um so, you know, again, I'm very pleased for those who were hoping to actually see this in action. And uh, it looks it looks very pretty to be up in the sky as well on those floating islands and stuff. Mm. So um, another game I'm looking forward to seeing more of as it, we get closer to its release. Yeah, extremely striking. And people have been waiting so long for news about this. And mm. I'm very curious to discover how much familiar ground that they'll tread here because yes you can go up in the sky and on the clouds now which is awesome that's going to really lead to some interesting gameplay opportunities i think especially with all the powers that you've got and the new ones seemingly where you can phase through the floor and stuff mm-hmm. um i'm wondering though when you're back down on uh, terra firma if it's just going to be sort of an identical map and i don't want to you know be dismissive and just say just the identical map just one of the best open worlds ever made yeah you know that's not that's not what i mean i'm just curious as to whether there'll have been you know some sort of further calamitous disaster and perhaps the map has been changed slightly maybe you can't Mm. get to areas you used to be able to get to maybe there's new areas I'll, i'll be very curious to see because that was and this is not a fair comparison. That was my issue with the uh, South Park, the fractured butthole, is that right. they, they just reused the same map. Like, it was identical, but they they just said, oh, no, you can't go this way because there's some Lego bricks on the floor and that's lava in our game that we're playing. And, right. they, you know, they couldn't, for example, do a third south park game set in exactly the same map like which would be difficult because everything takes place in that city so this is the problem with you know sequels set in the same open world it's exactly the same issue faced by the spider-man games not Mm. just miles morales but you know when marvel spider-man 2 comes out it'll presumably be set in new york once again but at least miles morales the you know it was clever to set it in the winter because at least visually i think it did to some extent feel a bit different um, exactly. I think by the time you played that game for a while, and you know you'd swung through Central Park many, many times, you kind of start to think, "Oh, yeah, this is just it's basically just the same setting as last time." But yeah, uh, yeah, you do have to come up with innovative ways to to mix these things up, really. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. This was obviously the by far and away the the most successful game from an awards perspective in twenty. I want to say 2017 is when that launched. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe so. The first one, anyway. Yeah, I think so. And uh, this one is hugely anticipated. I want to give the first one another go because I borrowed it briefly from um, from Mikey Johnson. Right. And I don't feel like I gave it a fair shake. I, f- I feel like I'd, I hopped in, was massively overwhelmed by how sort of go anywhere, do anything, you know, the approach was of the of the game design. And I was mm-hmm. like, I just don't... I want a little bit of direction. Can you just sort of prod me in the right direction? And then I like I kept falling off stuff and like my my stick sword kept breaking and I was like, ah, I can't be asked with this right now. And then I gave it back yeah. to him. But um, yeah, I, I know how good this game is and I, I really do want to get into it, especially if the sequel is, is anywhere near as good as, as the original one. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the our number one. Mm. Uh, I'm sure the same can be said for you, Ben. Is sorry, Dick. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is my number one game of the show, and was the reason why I thought Square Enix might win the conference of the show, despite being a bit weird for the rest of it after this game was shown off. Uh, it is, of course, Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. Is it Guardians of the Galaxy Save the Universe? It's got a subtitle, but no one seems to be using it, which is fine, because you say Guardians of the Galaxy and everyone knows what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. And this won by quite a considerable margin, I will say. It got mm. twice the votes of the uh, the games in second place. Yeah. And uh, I can sort of see why. Like, the gameplay, mechanically, like, it, it didn't look too crazy. Like, it didn't look bad. But no. there was nothing about it that was like, whoa, that looks flipping brilliant. But it's just the fact that it's Guardians, the fact that they've managed to subvert the you've captured their stunt doubles issue that Marvel's Avengers had, which, you know, may not be the case for everyone, but certainly it seems to be the case for us, uh, having yeah. spoken about it. Um, and the fact that the writing is so good, like it just it feels so true to form and by virtue of that alone, even if the gameplay is like a bit average... I think that the rest of the experience will probably carry it for me. Like, I'm just... This was such a pleasant surprise. And honestly, without this being here, if it was... It would have literally just been Elden Ring, really, out of this whole E3 for me. And perhaps, you know, again, putting the games to one side, if I brought the games into the room when discussing the quality of E3 as a whole this year, for me personally, it would have been, God, what a waste. But with Mm. Guardians, wow. A game seemingly tailor-made... For Dick Mychinko. Who'd have yeah. thought? Well, I was thinking that as we were going through that sort of top five, or well, there were seven games there voted in the end because of the ties, but pretty much everyone we went through, I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to play that, to be honest. Oh, yeah, I don't think I'll play that one. Hmm, might try that one, possibly. Don't know. And then uh, finally we get to Guardians, and yes, yes, I will be playing this game. Uh, thoroughly looking forward to it. Um but uh, I'm completely in agreement. I think Elden Ring, I can appreciate its merits, but unfortunately for me, I'm I'm just not uh, really a Soulsborne kind of uh, uh, player. So yeah. that's just another game I'm not going to be playing. But Guardians, uh, outside of the Elden Ring, Guardians is one of the only big announcements that I thought actually got me excited in this E3. And again, as I said at the top of the podcast... On a very personal level, I'm pleased that Orcs Must Die is finally coming to Steam, but that's mm-hmm. not exactly a, a, a headline announcement of E3. So, um, but we've already talked about that and the state of this E3. So, yeah, speaking about Guardians, I'm so pleased that it's a single player, uh, you know, narrative led game. Um, I think it was a smart move that seemingly you're playing as Star Lord for the for the vast majority of the game. I wouldn't be surprised if you occasionally. Uh, step into the boots of other characters like they do in Resident Evil games for example um, but but it, it seems like they've just sat down and thought what do people actually want out of this not how can we make the most money pointing no fingers um, but it, it just seems like they've done it right and I'm still reserving judgment of course this is all just going off 
uh, what we saw at E3, and maybe when we get our hands on it, it might, you know, not play very well, or there might be performance issues, or maybe they've literally just shown us the very best bits of the game and everything else is going to be rubbish. Unlikely. <laughs> um, but based on what we've got now, um, I think this looks like a, a wonderful experience, you know, kind of not too serious. Uh, I'd like to think it probably won't be super, super long either if it's this sort of focused single-player uh, event. So, um, yeah, it looks like it's exactly what we want. And apart from the fact that I'm not really a Marvel fan at all, it's also a game kind of tailor-made for uh, for Brian in, its, in that it's a, you know, a focused a focused story like that. I, I'm getting more, I'm leaning more and more towards linear uh, single player games now. Uh, I've, I see less appeal in open worlds as I once, uh, than I once did. Yeah. So this is, this is good news for me. It's very much because I think open worlds became the, the, the hot button choice for, yeah. for developers for quite a while. Like, oh, we've got all this new hardware. Let's make the games as big as possible. We- bigger. Go bigger. Make them even big. More to collect. More to do. And it's just... Yeah. There's an element of fatigue, but also because, you know, as you as you get older, you have less time for this stuff. If I was yeah. still in university, I'd be like, yes, give me more. Give me all the games, the biggest games, the longest games. I don't care. I'll play them all. I'll stay up until like 6 a.m. and then not go to lectures. It's not It's not realistic to be able to play those games all the time uh, no. when you're whole, you know when you're an, a, a real adult so to speak not to you know say that university uh, attendees don't have their own troubles they're going through oh lord do they but mm. certainly yeah having tight focused 15 hour-ish single player games that is oh, that's that's my niche i like that yeah give me more of those please that's lovely and i, I like dabbling with other stuff for variety of course and yeah, i yeah. love a good open world game but i don't only want open world games no exactly yeah I, I still enjoy open world games as and when but uh i did i didn't have my fingers crossed thinking if someone said oh yeah there's a guardians game coming out it's not uh, a live service game it's it's got its own story and it's single player would you like it to be open world or would you like it to be a more uh, kind of simple linear uh, or linear ish uh, non-open world game i would have i would have gone with the latter you know i really loved for example last of us part two people love god of war um you know it it shows that that kind of thing can be just as successful uh and and just as high quality as your horizons for example and your witches yeah yeah and there's there's uh an element of being able to straddle that as well super mario odyssey was sort of mm. open world but yeah, linear sure. at the same time you know you had your different environments that you go to in sort of a, a linear fashion and then you could hop back between them but yeah I, I really enjoyed Odyssey and I think there's not everything needs to be huge all the time and uh, and that's so nice to see that that a, a game is getting center stage that isn't that from a third party publisher no less yeah you know mm. usually you get your single player games normally from uh, in the form of exclusives but this is nice yeah. I like this good to see but of course we want to hear from you we already have from our patrons but what about you watching slash listening at home what was your favorite game? What was your favorite conference? Do you think E3 as an event has a future? Or would you rather have just not had 17 conferences, but only three of them were good? You know, yeah, uh, all in the over the course of a few days. Let us know. We want to hear from you. We're not always right. 
but these are this just our opinions. It's just have you? Uh, that's it. your opinion. <laughs> and have you changed your mind or been um, further persuaded to buy an Xbox? If yeah, you're if you don't have an Nintendo Xbox or PlayStation already, player. it's, it's yeah. becoming increasing. If it wasn't already, it's but it's all but cemented my decision to get one at some point. Mm, but, uh, yeah, there we are. Uh, Brian's now going to tell you where you can find us on various platforms. You can find us at Team Triple Jump everywhere you look. YouTube and Twitch, that's youtube.com and twitch.tv forward slash Team Triple Jump. It's where all of our videos and streams go out. Remember, if you've got Amazon Prime, one of the benefits of that is a free or bundled Twitch sub. So you can sort of spend that on us at no extra cost to yourself. We benefit from it in the usual way. And uh, so do you. Mm. Uh, It's all just as part of your usual payment plan. So... uh, Consider that. Uh, when we're streaming on YouTube and Twitch, we're modded by Lord Brotovich, Madstadactyl, and Trowling Badger. Thank you, mods. We've got social media at twitter.com and facebook.com forward slash team triple jump. Uh, Luke Eldon is still doing fantastic things over on Facebook, but, but we've also now got community manager Fraser. Um, who handles both Cultaholic and Triple Jump in terms of community stuff. He did an excellent job, by the way, of um, uh, live tweeting oh, yes. uh, through E3. We'll get to that later. We've got some people to thank. But uh, yeah, well done, Fraser. We've got a Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash Team Triple Jump if you want to ask questions on this podcast and look at the other benefits as well. The website is triplej.mup. That's triplej.mp. If you go to triplej.muck forward slash discord, that will send you straight to our discord, which is modded by Jack, Joe, and Hollowise. Uh, triplej.muck forward slash podcast will send you to a place you can get the audio version if you're watching on YouTube right now. Um, if you go to triplej.muck forward slash vods, that will redirect you to our vods channel over on YouTube. And finally, triplejumpshop.com is where our shop is hosted. You can also follow at Triple Jump Shop on Twitter for all the latest news. It's coming, we promise. The merch is coming. <laughs> it's nearly there. It is. Um, we are having discussions. It is It is. It is going down. But we'll mm. let you know as soon as we know what's going on. We there. will, yeah. You can follow Brian Bumpus on Instagram and Twitter at that Peter Austin and myself just on Twitter at confused underscore dude. We do lists every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, streams every Monday, Thursday and Friday, Thursday being the joint streams, blaze it on YouTube, Monday and Friday streams on Twitch. Yeah. Worst Games Ever is fortnightly Friday for patrons of a certain tier, Sunday for everyone else. The podcast is every Saturday. We do shows once every other week or thereabouts. Why not leave a review on, or on, oh God, I'm so close to the end. <laughs> Leave a review on iTunes or your platform of choice. It helps something to do with Al Gore's rhythms. Triplejump.gg, Brian. That's a good website. It is. Do you use digital currency for things like PlayStation, Xbox, you know, like buying stuff? Do you use those them their mine coins? Game Pass? Um, Game Pass, yeah. Head over to triplejump.gg and you can basically just buy them from us. You're probably buying them anyway. Why not buy them from us and help us out? It's, yeah, it uh, doesn't cost any more. It's just a regular amount. Anymore, We're officially yeah. partnered. It's all above board mm. and you support us in the yeah. process. So do consider mm-hmm. doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. We have finally reached officially the end of E3. It has happened. It's done. Oh. Lots of late nights. A whole load of coverage. Thank you to those of you who tweeted us and let you let us know that, that you appreciated the What Happened At videos we made uh, being available on the well. podcast feed uh, too. Mm. That was... I'm, I'm glad that you appreciate those and that you like those 
uh, because we will we will endeavor to do more like that. We we know that for some of you it's far more convenient to consume those in audio form. They will of course always be uh, in in well best enjoyed I should say on YouTube because they will have the uh, the actual footage of the games so you can see what we're talking about. Yeah. But uh, sometimes it's easier to listen on the go. And uh, and yeah, so th- those went up on the podcast feed. All of the live stream reaction VODs went up on the VODs channel if you want to watch back if for some mm-hmm. reason. Um, <laughs> a lot of you have, which is nice. And uh, then we've also got E3 lists, haven't we? And there's a, there was a big video that went out Friday. Yeah, we did a, a kind of overarching what happened at E3. Um, so that was, I believe, written by James Jenkins, James who has been an absolute godsend throughout oh, E3. Yeah. Um, he uh, edited together all of our kind of off-the-cuff what happened at. Um, he has written, as I say, the uh, overarching what happened at E3, which is uh, a big scripted piece. Um, and, uh, oh, he's... He did some serious late nights, that boy, Mm -hmm. and he's got some well-deserved time off coming up now, I think. Yeah, he absolutely does. He was was a hero. And on top of that, we want to uh, thank Fraser, our community manager, who was live tweeting all of the conferences we were reacting to. Did a brilliant Mm -hmm. job, saw a a huge amount of engagement on Twitter. Uh, So we want to thank him for doing a fantastic job over there. Uh, Also got to thank Alex in particular for editing the What Happened at E3 video that went out on Friday, but also our other video editors as well for editing Mm. the various E3 lists that went out. Uh, of course, our live stream mods who were there with us throughout the uh, yeah, of course, throughout proceedings, and just in general, the rest of the uh, rest of the team, Philip looking after the writers, the writers of those E three lists, and so on. So everybody helped out, everybody pitched in. It was a team effort, and we we really hope you enjoyed our E three coverage, or or at least found it informative, even if you hated it. <laughs> so thank yeah. you for coming along and experiencing E three with us. And well done to Ben Potter for doing a lot of the. Well, he hosted all the streams. I mean, and he uh, he did. Um, hello, what? I I hesitated there because I was like, oh, I just said Ben Potter, and I shouldn't have done. And I was like, oh no, I can say that because he did actually do he, that. He is it dead, wasn't but you. He did exist. Yeah. He yeah. Existed at some point. Uh, so I'll I'll just pick up where I lost my train of thought there. He hosted all of the live streams and he did a lot of prep beforehand, just sort of setting up some assets and things like that. So uh, he, he did an excellent job there, that Ben Potter. Oh, well done. That's very kind. I'm sure he would appreciate that if he was alive to hear it. Mm, yeah. um, you often can't say the things you want to say to loved ones until they're you know. No, that's gone, true. So. You feel embarrassed. So <laughs> Go say it to his grave, you coward. This. Yeah. <laughs> um, finally, we've well, actually, a couple more things. Every Bond game ranked. We're doing Ooh. it. This this topped our poll. We did a poll on YouTube, didn't we? Uh, like a mm. few months ago, uh, a lot of people wanted to see every James Bond game ranked from worst to best. That goes out tomorrow on Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, uh, it's a really good one. I like how that's come out. Again, it's a, an Alex special in terms of the edit. Um, he he's been doing our ranks for a while now really solely yeah um and yeah it's come out very nicely it's, it was a lot of fun and uh again of course well done to philip for writing that mm, and researching yeah. it philip the hero who you will have heard on the podcast a couple of weeks ago that Phil- yeah mm. that philip that's the guy yeah. that's him he wrote this finally peter we would mm. we're thrilled to announce that uh cat one of our freelance writers is joining us full time 
on, yeah. on Monday. So we will have Kat, our first full-time writer. James Jenkins sort of fulfilled that role, but also in a video, a video editor capacity when he first joined uh, shortly after we started in 2019. Uh, but Kat is coming on as a dedicated writer. She's fantastic. You'll have seen a lot of her work on the channel, and we are, we're so excited to have her join the team. We are. Uh, just for clarity's sake, she's not the new presenter. I'm sure she'd be great at that if she wanted to, but yes. that's not what she's coming on as. Um, More news well, on well, that in due course. Yeah, yeah, very soon, I'm sure. Um, wonderful. Well, that just about brings us to the end. Mm. Uh, there's just enough time, though, just enough. for today's sponsor. Yes, the sponsor, uh, Brian, is Elden Fling, a dating, it says here, a fating service, which sounds a bit ominous. Uh, oh, dear. I just I typoed. I mean, uh, the uh, Elden Fling typoed when they sent over the ad read. Uh, mm, yeah. uh, dating service for over 70s. Hey, come have an <laughs> Elden Fling. Go on, come and do it. Do it. You'd love it. Find love You'll, if you're yeah. over 70. If you're not, though, tough luck. And if you're 69, for- nice. <laughs> find love for the, on average the last 10 years of your life oh, before no. you die uh, oh no on Even, average on average you might, you live, might live to, to be, 120 yeah 200 years old oh no that would be worse well then you could find several several more you, you, get, you have to stop playing with lego at 100 yeah you do don't you rubbish. 99 isn't it yeah 100 yeah rubbish uh, anyway there we are thank you so much for listening we hope you've enjoyed it again we hope you found it informative that's a wrap on E3, apart from one final list on Tuesday coming up. Uh, but until next week when we return to normal and hopefully our sleep schedules have returned to normal and we're not so flipping knackered, I've <laughs> yeah. been Dick Mychinko, he's been Brian Bumpus, and we will see you very soon. Bye! Bye-bye! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 